Hi, and welcome to Pacifim Christian Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message, that it will both challenge and inspire you. Are we ready to turn to the Word of God now? Are you ready? Are you sure? You're not very convincing. Convincing, that's an interesting word, isn't it? Uh, we'll look at that this morning. Let, let's turn to the Word of God right now then. And let me remind you where we're at. Uh, last week we started to look at foundational truths. Oh, actually the week before we did. We started to look at the foundational truths that kept us through storms, some of Storm's lives. And, and we saw in Hebrews there that they were strongly encouraged to remember the elementary principles, uh, the author calls them. And, and as we looked at them, we thought how important it is for us to really hang on and, and secure the foundational truths of our faith. And, we, and so we started looking at that. And so last week, um, we noted that it just wasn't a list of things um, that we put in the foundation, but it was actually the fact that all the things of the foundation are actually twined together. They're woven together. They're connected. And that's where the strength comes from. So it's not just a list of truths put in place but they're actually connected and that gives it the strength that we need. For me, I said, and it was for me because it will be different for everybody, for me, one of the integral parts of our foundation of the truth, of our faith, was actually for hope. Hope, for me, was one of the main integral elements of my foundation. Remember, they're all mixed together, they're all interwoven, so it's not like I start with a list and this is the highest value. No, they're all equally valued but they're all tied together and they all work together so hope was the main integral elements of my foundation and it was hope in Christ remember my testimony is I went from an unbeliever to an encounter with God to an ignorant believer but the deal was um, the very experience I had ch- challenged everything about my life challenged everything I thought and I was smart enough to realise I was pretty dumb, so I didn't resist that or try to argue with it. I just was aware that there was some error and some inconsistency in my life. And, and I, of course, I didn't even have the words to explain that or even understand that at the time. It was more than a, it was a gut feeling more than anything. But it, it made me aware that everything's not as it seems, as I always say. Oh, I knew she'd bite. But the deal is I copied that from Jane. Not that it's copyrighted or anything. Nothing is as it seems. It's the thing we used to hear regularly. That and Romans 8, 28. But anyway, so, um, so I became aware that, you know, I'm ignorant and I need to listen more and, and look more. And so when I became a Christian, you know, we went through plenty of We've all been through plenty of stuff, haven't we? And the sad bit is, that other people have been through similar things, but they're not in the faith today. Because their foundation, what Hebrews says in Hebrews 6, calls it an anchor for our souls. They weren't connected to that anchor of the soul. They never even have an anchor, some of them. They believed, they had an experience, some kind of encounter, but then the storms in life came and they were blown off course, smashed upon the rocks. Uh, and, and that's the sad bit. And, and sadly, there's far too many do that. But we're here today because we did have an anchor. It, it might not have been the best anchor, but it was an anchor and it kept us off the rocks and we're still here. 
I mean, you know, we might have took some time out to repair or to recover or come to our senses, but the deal is we're here now. We made it through. And the reason is, whether you've thought about it or not, is because there's some foundational truths that acted like an anchor for you that, that are so great and so important. And here's the thing what people don't get. People get upset by people. Have you noticed that? I, I know it's hard to believe, but it's probably the case I might have upset some people along the way. Yeah, you're so good, Sarah. Thank you. You're so nice. But the deal is, People are willing to put their offence or other people in between them and God. So because their person upset me, I'm not going back to church anymore. Wait, wait a minute. That means you view them people more powerful and more important than actually your relationship with God? If, if someone can get in your head and prevent you from serving God or coming to worship God, then there's something wrong with your relationship with God. Because it should be first and primary. And everything else flows about that. You, you know, um, when I got saved, my marriage became very important to me. But it only because came important because God was first in my life. And he, he never said, no, Dennis. And, you know, but, but I knew that this was important, so I better work on it and find out what my responsibility is. And guess what? I wasn't, I wasn't made responsible to get her to do what I want. My responsibility came and God started saying, no, no, um, you've got to serve one another and your aim is to protect and provide and, and also to encourage and release and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and that was a shock because I thought, well, I'll do that because then she'll do it back to me. But there was no attachment to it. There's no manipulation. He didn't say, do this so that you can get this. He said, just do this. And too often... We all read the Bible and say, oh, wives submit to your husband. So I take it upon myself to make my wife submit to me. But really, that's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to love my wife like Christ loved the church. Not to make her submit to me. That's her responsibility. And if she does or doesn't do it, that's between her and God. She's a Teflon queen. Nothing sticks. I'm building up to a point. It's not about marriages, by the way. Um, the point was that when Christ came into my life, things became a little bit clear and obvious that there were certain priorities in his mind. And so when I became Christian, what one of the main... Because of my previous lifestyle, and, and to a degree my present one, but because of my previous lifestyle, um, hope w was one of the more obvious elements of the foundation of my life. And my hope was in Christ. My hope is in you, Lord, my... Anybody know that one? Well, that was it. That was the most... Other people will say different things. Jane's experience when she first came and had an encounter with God, it was all about she felt loved and it was the Holy Spirit. So if she was doing her uh, version of foundational thing, the most obvious one, the most primary, the one that came first was that God loved her 
and, and, he, and she just felt the love of God and didn't know how to express it. So she left the meeting, found our children in the crash and just cried and hugged them for, I don't know, they must have been terrified, but cried and hugged them for ages <laughs> because she had an encounter with love. So you talk to Jane, her, her big thing is the Holy Spirit and love, which is appropriate because in Romans 5.5, 5, it says, now the love of God's been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. So no wonder the primary things on her foundational uh, settings are love and the Holy Spirit. In fact, now, after 40-odd years of doing that, she's known as the Holy Spirit lady because it's all spirit. Because that was part of a foundation, but it's grown, see. Anyway, so um, hope was one of the main integral elements of my foundation, hope in Christ. Hope in who he is. You have to think some of this thing through. Um, hope in what he says. Hope in what he provides. And back then and even today, the primary provision is forgiveness. Hope in forgiveness because, you know, my life was such. I needed forgiveness. But because I understood what he was saying and what he did, all of a sudden, I have this hope now. I'm forgiven. And, and not that I just know it intellectually. I, I know I'm forgiven because I felt it. I felt a release. I felt deliverance. But not just forgiveness, but healing. He's still in the process of healing my messed up life. I'm a lot further down the road than I was, but there's still a lot more to do. So I have a hope in forgiveness. I have a hope in his healing. Um, I have a hope in being set free from different things. I have a hope in transformation, that there's a process and, uh, and one day, you know, there's more to do, but it's happening along the way. I, I'm, I have a hope uh, for renewal. Completely, I have a hope now for eternity. But primarily, back in the day, I, I couldn't see that far. And, and this is still standing today. But I have this hope that he's got something better for me in this realm. As I walk on this journey, things are getting better. They might not be getting easier, but they're getting much better than they were before. Because my whole value system's changed. So when I say better, it's not the same better that I was expecting when I was immature or young. So making sense? So that, that's why hope was uh, one of the main integral elements of my foundation. And so, uh, as I said before, Romans 5.5 5 has become my testimony. Now, hope does not disappoint. It takes time to work out, but the scripture says in Romans 5.5, 5, hope. Now hope does not disappoint. It's still working and it still takes time and is a process, but I can tell you I am not disappointed because I look back and see what he's done. I, I stand and meditate and think about what he's doing and I look at the possibilities of what could be because hope doesn't disappoint. Okay? And so... Um, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out 
in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given us. Which leads me to another this morning's uh, next, and again, not in value, not in order, not in any priority list or anything like that, but, but just because it's simply the way my mind's been working, which it leads me to another essential element of my foundation, of all of our foundation, but particularly I'm talking about mine, because yours will have a slightly different priorities, I know that. Um, like I said with Jane, hers would definitely be love and the Holy Spirit, but well, mine's hope, and, and, and now comes the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you why. And I'm not going to, and I'm not, I know, my aim isn't to try and show you something new. Um, in fact, I very much know, I've realized that everything I say today, you already know, right? I, I just want to remind you really well about something you already know, okay? Uh, and, and this is foundation, this is stuff in our foundations. This is stuff that connects, makes that anchor solid and connects us to the anchor, the anchor for our souls. This is that kind of stuff, that when the storms of life, the disappointments of life come, that we won't be blown off course and we won't be smashed upon the rocks and our lives won't be shipwrecked because we got this foundation, we got this anchor, right? So this morning I want to show you the importance of the Holy Spirit. Um, in fact, to put it more precisely, that's, that's just too broad. To put it more precisely, I, I say the need to be very conscious about the activity of the Holy Spirit in our lives is a better way of putting it. Because he's working all the time. But to be conscious of it, that, that's something different. Recognizing it, be conscious of it so that we can flow with it, submit to it, rest in it, allow it. That's a different thing altogether. So let me start with the basics. And again, no list, no priorities. This is just the way I think for me right now, you know, because unfortunately if I was in some place and I start to, let me tell you about the Holy Spirit, they'd all freak out because they think I'm going to speak in tongues and freak them out because they don't know what that is. Or, or I'm going to be really weird and do strange things like either laugh or cry or jump up and down or, or even roll over, you know, there's... People are so, oh, Holy Spirit, and they just immediately think of all the unexplainable, strange stuff, which I love, by the way. But for me, they're not the most, imp they are important. I can't get the right words. They're, they're not less important. It's just that there's some other stuff that's more important for us to realize, okay? And, and you realize as saying it. So I want to talk about the Holy Spirit as, as a foundational truth in our lives, right? As, as one of the essential, the core elements of, of a good foundation. And so I'm going to start with John 16. And, and I haven't got many because it would take too long. So I've just got what I consider a probably, in my estimation, in this season of my life, and I understand it might be different for you, but and this season, my, these are things that I think are the most important for me, Right? So let's read uh, John chapter 16, 7 and 11. And, and you might have to do something radical like open a Bible, turn your device on, scroll down and find it and read. Because you need to read, the, you need to see it with your eyes. I know you trust me. And I, I know I've got such a smooth, 
voice and I articulate extremely good. My grammar is like really spot on. I do speak the Queen's English. Um, but you need to see it with your eyes just to make sure. Here's another word, convince. We said it before, we're going to say it again. Let the scriptures convince you. So follow me as I read John 16, 7 to 11. Nevertheless, Jesus speaking, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come, uh, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. He's speaking about the Holy Spirit. And verse 8. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the rule of this world is judged. Let me just repeat verse 8 again. John 16, 8. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness and judgment. Now the word convict isn't a 100% accurate translation. It's not actually the, uh, the best word here. Because if I say convict, you think of a legal statement or, or the police or a court, a judge, and you get convicted and you're found guilty. Where here, the Greek word is more, and we just used it before, the Greek word is more, is closer to convince than convict. But because of our understanding and our picture of the word convict, uh, when we hear the word convict, we go, oh, found guilty. No, charged. No, no, no. In the Greek, the more accurate word is closer to the word convince. Now, the Holy Spirit comes he will convince you of sin, of righteousness and judgment. I just, I just want to talk on the sin bit, and I'll tell you why. He said, when the Holy Spirit, he'll convince the world. Now, here's the truth. All of us once were of the world. We were in the world, we were of the world, we were worldly. And then one day... Something happened and we thought a little bit differently. We saw things a little bit differently. What was that? Oh, I just had like a lightning moment, a, a light bulb moment. No, no, no. It was the Holy Spirit starting to convince you that you are a sinner. This is wrong. This is not right. You are a sinner. But he didn't just leave it there. He convinced you because of that now you need a saviour. He didn't convict the world and condemn the world because you've been found guilty, you've been convicted, you're going to be charged and you're going to go do punishment and may have to make payment. And all that. No, no, no. He convinced you. He convinces. See, that's the picture we got, the picture that, you know, God's going to judge the world and the Holy Spirit's going to, you're all charged, you're all been convicted, you're all, no, no. He comes to, every, to all the world to convince of sin. So one day you're going along and all of a sudden, and I've got to say, I've got to admit, some people it's very obvious that they're sinners. Other people, not so. They're nice people. They're generous, they're kind, they're polite. They're even punctual sometimes. They turn up at 
on time. But the deal is, uh, we're still sinners. So some people, it's obvious that that person is a sinner. That person, oh, she's a lovely old lady. She's really nice. But the deal is, without Christ, we're all lost, right? So the Holy Spirit doesn't come and condemn. He doesn't convict. He convinces you that something's not right. We had this love in our first church in Mariba. There was that lovely old lady, who, uh, Mrs. Johnson, she was called. And I, I think she's in her 90s, was she, Mrs. Johnson? She's very old. Uh, she was a, a, a Toowoomba girl. And um, she was brought up in church, Presbyterian, I think. She was brought maybe generations of Presbyterians. And, and one day she wanted to become a nurse. So she went to Brisbane to study nursing. And, and like, you know, she's in the big smoke now. I don't know when that was. That, when would that have been in the 50s or more? Anyway, it was a long time ago. And, and she said to me, she, I asked her about a testimony one day, and she said, and then I, I, was, I, I went with the other nurses, and, and that's when I discovered I was a sinner. And I was just saying, what? Really? And, and I, I normally wouldn't ask, but, like, I had to. I said, so if you don't mind, what, what did you do? She said, oh, I went to the dance with all the other nurses and, and we actually danced with men. I said, and then, oh, we went home. I, I said, wait a minute, what happened? She said, well, on the way home, the Holy Spirit came, God came to me. And made me aware of what a sinner I was. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what I... <laughs> she was a saint. But she was shocked to discover that even though her family and her had been going to church for generations, she wasn't going to heaven. She immediately, in the street, dropped to her knees, repented of all her sin. And she said that she just felt God come and touch her. And she knew she was saved. I went, wow. Some people, it's pretty obvious that they're sinners, and there's some people here that fit that category. Other people, there's, you're not so sure at all, but, you know, they're just as lovely, and they're here too. But the deal is, the Holy Spirit will come, no matter what situation, and he will convince you that you need a saviour. That's what that verse is actually saying. He convinces the world of their sin. And so um, we could quote it. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will convince the world of sin, of righteousness and judgment. And so um, simply put, the Holy Spirit reveals our need of a saviour. But he doesn't do it by shaming you, by condemning you. He does it by convincing you. Bring in a revelation of reality, a revelation of the truth. Um, which then, so that's, that's one of the greatest aspects for me of the work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I do believe in tongues, you know that. I, I do believe in prophecy. I, I believe in the signs and wonders. I believe in, I've seen people uh, roll around the floor uh, uh, laughing, crying, unable to walk, jelly. I've seen them on the floor for hours. I, I've seen, I, I actually ran around the tent meeting once. And then as I was running past the pulpit, all of a sudden it's like someone stiff-armed me and I was like feet in the air, flapped me back. 
And when they helped me up, I roared and roared like a lion. I loved that. I believe it. I'm not understanding surely what it means yet. But it was exciting and it was good and it was God. I, I, that's all I know. So I, having said that, I think that this work of the Holy Spirit to convince people is one of his most important, for me anyway, works. Okay? So let me, let me bring you to the second one. Um, and again, I say second, but it's just as equally as important. Romans 8, 14 and 16. One of the most important aspects of the work of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 14 and 16. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. It's not that bit, by the way. Let me continue. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. For me, this is one of the most important aspects of the work of the Holy Spirit. To know, not just intellectually, that God is your Father. And that's why the word Abba Father is so important there. Because Abba is, is the, it's not just a band from Sweden, right? Abba is the word of endearment, of intimacy with your Father. And you've heard this, you've heard this before. It's, it's like saying, my daddy or, or papa. Or, you know, one of the intimate terms that children use for their... And, and that's important to understand that because of the intimacy of that relationship. See, many people can grasp the concept of God being a father. They, they sort of look at that and, and twist that to say, that's because he's a creator, so he's fathered everything. He's my father in the sense that, you know, I'm creating in his image. But the Holy Spirit comes in and says, no, no, it's more than a concept. Um, it's in our natural realm. The concept of Father isn't uh, one that's grasped intellectually, but comes by experience. You know, we know men who were responsible for bringing a child into the world. And, and that child may eventually grasp the concept of that reality, but that man will never be their father. That child will never know that man as a father. He'll understand biologically how it happened, but then situation or lack of responsibility, not wanting the pressure, uh, the guy leaves, right? So they know biologically, yeah, he's my father, but that child will never respond to him as a father. That, that child won't call him father. There are many children who have no biological connection at all to the men they now know and call father but they know they're their fathers because they love and care for them 
What I'm trying to do is, is help you understand or add some weight to my argument that just because intellectually you understand the concept of father, it, it's not till you actually experience the care and the love. And it is shown in many different ways, but it's not till you experience the care, the concern, the longevity, the, the love of a man who's looking at you as their son or their child that you really understand that that's my father. And the child will grow up and they'll discover the concept of the biology part. But that man, he cares for me and he's proven it. He loves for me and he's proven it. That is my father. That is the man who's fathered me. You, you understand? So I'm using this as an illustration to say there's many in church who would, who would understand the concept of God being our father but have never, ever experienced his care and his love for them. Because only the Holy Spirit can bring that. That For me, you want to talk about carnal thinking and, and, and humanistic rationale? I'm saying, for me, that is the most important aspect of the work of the Holy Spirit. To bring out the, not just the assurance, but the experience that God is my Father. And, and not because I understand intellectually the concept that's being presented, but I've experienced his care and I've experienced his love. He has fathered me. You getting it? And we are told that that comes by the Holy Spirit. I think there's far too many men in church who understand the concept of father but have not experienced the love and the care of the father because they've either rejected, ignored the Holy Spirit because of bad teaching, misunderstanding. You hear what I'm saying? Um, and I'm beginning to understand. You remember a season not too far ago, decade, two decades ago, maybe more, a season that a lot of churches is currently in right now, where it was church was filled with women and children. And praise God for the women and children. Praise God the women kept churches running and kept the doors open. Can you remember a season when you went to church and, and the only men there were the hempecked ones? Or the smart ones who were just trying to keep their wife happy? Don't put your hand up, I'm not going to ask. I know some men used to go to church just to protect their wives because they weren't sure if that was a cult or not but they just used to come and sit just, just to watch after their wives. But can you remember a time where the churches, most of the churches were filled by women and not many men around? You know why that is? Because this thing about love. See, see men understand the concepts, 
We'll get the manual and we want to see how something works. We need to understand it and try and figure it out and then make it work if it's broken. But ladies, they just what? They're just looking for love. They respond to love. Am I going too far out here or can you see the reality of this? Women were filling our churches because they recognised and responded to love. Anybody agree with me or like you're thinking it hard or you've just got bored and gone to sleep? Because the more I look, that's what I'm seeing. Women were aware of the concept but responded to the actual love and care and knew that the actual experience, the love and care, was more important than the concept. Especially when it comes to our Father in heaven. We, we men were aware of the concept, but be, because of the lack of the Holy Spirit, we just had the concept. We didn't have the reality or the experience that comes with that father position. Which brings us back to Romans 5.5. 5. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who's given us. You know, you know that when we got saved in 1983, um, one pastor who visited us once told Jane, he diagnosed my problem and he said I had rapture fever. Uh, I was just red hot for the rapture. It was going to come any time. We were right into end times. And, and that was like for a couple of years, we just, 83, Jesus coming back, like not any time, but any day now. And it wasn't until about 85, 86, when I, I met uh, a pastor, an older pastor, very wise. And I was asking him some things about end times. And he said, yeah, yeah, that's interesting, Dennis, but, do you know if Jesus came back when you wanted him to or think he should, you condemn billions of people to hell because they haven't even heard yet. What happens to them? And that's when our mentality changed and we came less about end times and more about the Great Commission reaching the whole world. But I, I want to, this morning, I want to give you a couple of evidences that we're living in the end times. Okay. Who's interested? Anybody? I'm not going to talk about Israel or pandemics or anything like that. Let me give you a couple of verses. We've just read that one of the most important aspects of the work of the Holy Spirit is to pour out the love of God into our hearts, right? Holy Spirit pouring out the love of God into our hearts. We've also just read how uh, another equally as important aspect of the work of the Holy Spirit is to empower us to know that God is our Abba Father, right? Two different verses, but, but we just read them two verses very clear. Now let me give you another verse. Malachi 4, 5 and 6. Behold. I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. 
And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. That's the promise, right? And, and yeah, we can talk about John the Baptist and Jesus and all that. But, but he talks about this. Um, he puts in that phrase, uh, great and dreadful day of the Lord, which is still coming. But he's going to turn the hearts of the children to the fathers and the hearts of the fathers back to the children. Okay. Acts 2, 17 and 19. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And I will show wonders in the earth above the signs uh, and in signs in the heaven beneath. Uh, and the earth beneath, sorry, let me read that. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. I tell you, one of the great signs of the, of the last days is the fact that men being filled with the Spirit and are loving God, unashamedly, without embarrassment, loving God. For me, that's one of the greatest signs of the end times. The Spirit of God has been poured out. And guys are coming to terms with things. Even this morning here in this house. The praise was wonderful. The worship was great. And, and I, I, I was just enjoying myself, resting in that, honouring God. And all of a sudden I had this little bit of an argument in my head. And I said, I do love you, Lord. I do love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. And I'm going to praise you. I'm going to praise you. The rest of my life, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to praise you. I love you, Lord. I'm, I'm going to worship you. Not for what you've done for me. Not for what you're going to do for me. Not for what you've given me. But because I've seen something of your glory and you deserve it. For that and that alone, I'm going to praise you no matter what. That's why I love these songs, you know, and finally we're starting to sing songs. He, I'll praise him in the valley as well as I'll praise him on the mountaintop. And I don't know how many songs use those lines now, but, but there's quite a lot and a growing number. It's saying, you know, there was mostly, you know, well, when we get there, we're going to praise him. But no, he's saying, even in the dark place, even in the valley, I'm going to praise you no matter what. Even when it's going tough, even when you haven't given me what I asked for, I'm going to praise you anyway. Even when things are going bad and it's gone from bad to worse. A bit like our projector. Gone from bad to worse. I want to praise you anyway. Not because what I hope to get out of you. But simply because of who you are. I've seen something. Would you agree? We've seen something. Can I tell you we've been convinced And, you know, when we start talking about the Holy Spirit, there are so many verses uh, that describe what he does. We could be here literally, and I'm not exaggerating, we could be here all day with a list of verses that describe different aspects of the work of the Holy Spirit, right? But I'm just going to do one more. So hang on, just one more. Just one more, Matthew. I just got one more. 
Okay. Um, and I've chosen this one. And I'm going back, John, John 16, 12 to 14. Listen carefully. He says this. I still have many things to say to you. <laughs> that Matthew has to leave. But the deal is uh, it's so appropriate. Good timing. But listen, that's what Jesus is saying to us. John 16, 12, 12, I still have many things to say to you. How many people here know that Jesus has still got, like I haven't heard it yet, I undone it. How many people know that Jesus has still got things he wants to say to us? Every one of us, as individuals and corporately even as a church. There's still things I need to say to you, right? However, he actually does say, but you cannot bear them right now. You can't carry this right now. You're not in a position to hear this right now. You might not be mature enough to grasp this right now. You might not be able to comprehend this right now, so I'm not going to give it to you right now. But then he goes, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you the things to come. He will glorify me, and for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Another vital aspect of the Holy Spirit, of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, is, is him to enable us, not just to tell us, but enable us to comprehend and understand the teachings of Jesus. He still has many things to say to us, but we can't bear them. So the Holy Spirit will come, and, and he won't just get in your face, he'll get in your heart, and he'll get in your mind, and he'll mess some things up. But in that place, he'll start to convince you. The Holy Spirit enables us to comprehend and understand the teachings of Jesus. Not only comprehend and understand, that's not complete. He gives us the understanding that enables us to apply them. Whatever that is, it's the truth. There's a pattern there. You see it all over the place. He still has many things to say to us. So the Holy Spirit continues to convince us. He enables us to experience our Father so that we know he's our Father. He enables us to understand and apply the teachings of Christ. But here's the thing. We don't see it working everywhere because, because some, oh, no, I'll just say, because some people who think they were teachers but really are uneducated and haven't really studied sufficiently have taught us that these things are wrong and not for this time and from the devil and, and, and they freak out because they lose control. And stuff that they can't explain happens. But, but as me and Jane learned in the first years of our first church, the Holy Spirit visited and things were going crazy. We'd never experienced it before. We didn't understand it at all. But we were smart enough to knowing that not understanding, we determined we're not going to speak on this. We'll only address it if it really, really 
seriously affects something and, and we'll address it then. But we're not going to... What we'll do is we'll look for fruit. We'll wait and see what happens. And, and the truth is, some of the strangest things happen to some of our people who at one stage, I would have called them faithful, but they were really very religious. And then God set them free, healed them, and transformed their lives. The fruit wasn't immediate, but that's the fruit that happened after these moves of the Holy Spirit, right? So we didn't understand any of the backing of all that, but in a lot of places where similar things happened or they heard about it, they were quick to condemn and judge. Judged and condemned. We, we saw it so many times. And, and you know, the, the leaders of that church, probably threatened, but probably thinking they're warning their people. Well, guess what? Over the season, that church emptied out and dried up. So, so if stuff happens, we're not sure about it. Well, we'll just we'll keep praying, keep looking. Won't say too much unless it gets really bad. And then we'll have to address and we'll have to talk about things. But here's the deal. Why don't you wait and see what fruit comes? Is it good fruit? Is it fruit that remains? Is it healing? Is it transformation? We had one man who confessed months and months after it happened. His wife, I might have told you the story. His wife went down like a ton of bricks and he was embarrassed. And he said to her, if that happens again, darling, don't worry. I'll, I'll, I'll take you out. And she said, but I was enjoying it. Don't take me. I said, yeah, but it's really embarrassing. It looks awful. Anyway, same thing happened next week. She went down. She, she was laughing and crying and, and God was dealing with some stuff. And he came to take her out. And he reached down and grabbed her and he fell on the floor on top of her. And honestly, and I'm not exaggerating, he was loving and, and laughing and crying. And Jane and I thought, should we throw a blanket over them right now? Because it's getting a little bit, you know, went for ages. Months and months later, he confessed that he'd seriously considered suicide several times. And there was one afternoon, uh, one morning, he's driving from Mariba to Karanda. He got to the range and he thought, just put your foot down. Just, just put your foot down. And right at the minute, he slammed the brakes. Right at last, he slammed the brakes on missed the guardrail. But he argued with himself and said, next time I'm doing it. And he came to church and his wife went over and so did he. And it changed his life. So some people who are uneducated, misread, don't understand, assume a lot, interpret things. And because of that, other people now are very scared of the Holy Spirit because it's probably demonic and it's evil and it messes things up. And so what will we do when we start talking about the Holy Spirit? Oh boy, we put the brakes on. We deny. We reject. And sometimes we simply ignore. But I've just pointed out to you what I think are the most important gifts or works of the Holy Spirit. That he convinces us for sin, for righteousness and judgment. He doesn't convict us he convinces us that we need to address these things he's the one that brings the love of the father and enables and empower us to receive not just intellectually but to actually know 
the love of the Father, the Abba, the relationship with Abba Father. He, it's the Holy Spirit that brings that. It's the Holy Spirit who will bring the understanding and application of the teachings of Christ. We've just read all those things from the basic verses and yet people, people who want to deny or reject or even ignore the Holy Spirit, do you think they enter into those things? I'll tell you what happens. Because they've either denied, rejected or ignored the Holy Spirit, They're left to decipher what they see in the teachings of Christ and what's happening around them with their own reasoning and their own logic. And, and they might be able to put a, a good argument and even quote some scriptures, but it's from their own mind. It's not from God. And because of that, so many people now are hesitant when, when what's so important for the foundation of our lives is the work of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. And in this room, I, I know most, and I know there's so many great testimonies of how the Holy Spirit, sometimes gently, sometimes surprisingly, just came into a person's life and changed everything for them. Some it was very dramatic, some not so dramatic. Some of you wouldn't even noticed it, but all incredibly powerful. I'm here to say to us this morning, and, and I'm closing with this, with communion on this point. We so desperately need the ministry and the work of the Holy Spirit happening in our life continually. And I say it's just not a one-off thing because he still has more to say to us. He still has more to show to us. We still fully need to understand in a greater dimension that the Father loves us so much. We, we, still, we still need to be convinced over so many different things. I love the fact that we just read Jesus talking about going away. He was talking about his death. He was talking about his resurrection. He was talking about his ascension. Where I'm going, you can't come just yet. And you might not understand it, but it's for your benefit that I go. Because when I go, when I'm killed, when I'm laid in the ground, when I rise again, when I ascend into heaven, when I get there, then I can send the Holy Spirit who will help you with all these things. So we're going to take the cross. And while we're so grateful that he paid the full penalty of our sin. One of the most important things is he did it so we can receive the Holy Spirit. Can we remind ourselves of that truth right now? We take the wafer representing his body that was broken for us. We drink the juice that represents the blood that was shed for us. And we remind ourselves that it's not just when we realise we're in trouble, we call out to God or the Holy Spirit for help. It has to be part of the foundations of our faith. We have to be utterly convinced so we can talk about love.
We can talk about forgiveness. We can talk about hope. We can talk about all these things that, that we would normally list as foundational truths that will keep us from being swept aside or just blown off course or even dashed across the rocks. We, we need these things in our lives to keep us on course, to keep us from being shipwrecked. We, we need to get to that place where we understand that the Holy Spirit has to be the foundational truth on which I stand, the anchor for my soul. Not something to be considered, thought about, put to one side, but absolutely crucial if we are to go on with God. If we are not only to be able to stand and stand firm, but to grow and mature in the things of God, we need the Holy Spirit. It needs to be a foundational truth. Can I pray? Father, right now here in this place, I thank you. For many of us, your presence was so obvious. We, we loved the way that you responded to our best efforts of praise and worship. And I thank you that we were able to praise you, not because of something that we want from you, not, not even for something that you've done in the past for us, but simply because we know who you are. I thank you that we were able to worship you from a pure heart and you responded to that and filled this house. Now we've looked at your word and we understand, we already understand the importance of this and, and, and the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But I hope tonight that you will help us. Today you will help us understand the significance of what Paul said in Ephesians of being continually filled, continually filled. And while we believe and practice speaking in tongues, while we believe and practice in prophecy, while we're open to the dramatic signs and wonders, while we're looking for the miraculous, we thank you that the basics are so important and so vital and that you've given it to us without even knowing it. And I pray now that each and every person, while they might have been influenced by error, by human rationale or logic, that today we'll start to think again afresh. We'll start to hope again and afresh. We'll start to seek after you. Come, Lord. Even now in this moment, even now in this very moment, touch and bless each and every one. Refresh and renew. Lord, make sure, make our foundation sure Fix this thing in place. It'll be something that we continually stand on. Something that we value incredibly highly. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Breathe on the word of God. Let it become a double-edged sword. Let it become a living thing inside of us. Come Holy Spirit. We, we submit to... And rest in your convincing work. We pray that we will grow in the understanding of our Father's love and therefore draw closer to him. We pray that you will help us to understand the teachings of Christ and in a way that we can apply them to our lives. Help us see 
that it's not by might nor by strength, meaning we can't do it on our own, meaning it's not according to our own rationale or logic, but it's by your Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Help us begin now to live this life of faith by your Spirit, to walk with you by this Spirit, to serve you by this Spirit, to see your kingdom come and your will be done by your Spirit. Not just by good intentions or not just by a heart that's been moved and motivated, but by your spirit. Move in this place that each and every one of us will become more aware, more sensitive, more discerning. Give us the ability to recognize your voice, to know your touch, to hear your whisper that we might respond more appropriately than we've ever done before. Come Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you were blessed with today's message. You can connect with us at pacifentchristianchurch.com.